How you spend your money is, in many ways, how you spend your life. So how can you generate not just a return on your investments, but a return on life? Welcome to the Own Your Wealth Podcast. Whether you're a working professional, a small business owner, or thinking about retirement, listen in as host Jason Deshays of Cook Wealth discusses tax strategy, financial planning, and more to equip you to live life empowered and truly own your wealth. Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Own Your Wealth with your host, Jason Deshays. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Wendy McConnell. Jason, we're it's all about you today. We're going to get to Ooh, know fun. you. Oh, so yeah. fun. So I hope you like to talk about yourself. I do. I, I, well, one prompted, but I kept <laughs> thinking about, you know, I'm I'm a child of the 80s, but I you know went to high school in the 90s when Austin Powers was a big oh, thing. No. And they started having these like callbacks to, you know, Dr. Evil telling his backstory, meat helmets in the summer and luge lessons. And I'm just like, okay, I can't go that route because that would get weird. So we're going to try and keep it on the straight and narrow of this. Go All around. right. Well, I'll do my best to, to help that help that along. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your business and why you decided to get into this industry. So Cook Wealth is a RAA, so that's a registered investment advisor. And we're a little bit of a unique beast in that we are not just what most people would view as an investment management shop where they're out there trading mutual funds and investing people's money. We do that. That's a big part of our business, but we also layer on the financial planning. So that's a big part of making sure that we are integrating all that into someone's financial plan and making sure that that's meeting their goals and their intents. And then the, the third leg of that is the tax component. And that kind of leads a lot of my background as a CPA and a CFP, that that tax that people pay every year over and over again is one of the largest costs anyone will incur in their financial lives. And if you really were to stack it up, it's probably more than what they'd pay for a house and it's expensive. And so it's got to be a consideration of things. So our practice has that integrated into our philosophy. So we have our wealth management strategy, our financial planning strategy has got that tax life kind of built into it. So we provide tax planning services and we've got those built in with our tax compliance. So we have like a it's like a CPA firm in the sense of we do people's tax returns every year. And we're in the midst of that right now. And we use that to kind of create one place that clients can go to and get really get those two major parts of their financial lives integrated in one group of advisors. And we are a small team, about 15 people. It's not a huge office with, you know, palatial manners and sweeping office spaces and everything. So it's great because you get to really know your team pretty intimately which I think is pretty special. Mm -hmm. So who would you say your ideal client is? We really enjoy working with clients who have a desire to improve their financial lives. And that means they're ready to make some changes. We've got folks who they have money, but they're not really wanting to do anything different. And those are not as easy to work with because there are ways to improve your situation. It kind of requires some change in your life. You're not coming to a financial planner if you're just thinking everything's hunky-dory and you're ready just to kind of you know, hit play and, and move on for the next 20 years. So we really want people who are interested in taking a more engaged ownership over their financial lives and their assets and their tax lives. We really like people who want to communicate well. And it doesn't mean they have to be these eloquent you know, speakers or anything. It's, we want to be able to have an open relationship. Communicate with you. Yeah, so with us and vice versa. We want to be able to communicate with them and, and, and vice versa because... 
you know, we only know so much of what they let into our lives. And this is a very environment. We hear about everything. I, I've joked that I should have gotten a counseling degree at some point because the things that we deal with can be very emotional. You've got people who are being born and dying and divorces and marriages and just very emotional. A lot of people have very emotional ties of money. So it's not even like, oh, I make a bunch of cash. It's like, no, that stock was granddaddy's and I'm never going to sell that stock because that was granddaddy's stock and he gave it to me and I'm going to keep it that way. And so there's this uh, emotional override to even best practices and how they should live their financial lives. And we're there just to help them coach them on that. It doesn't make it wrong or right, but we're there to help make sure that they are doing the best thing for them with a little bit of guidance from someone who doesn't have the same degree of emotional attachment to those issues. I imagine that one of the um, really difficult conversations, especially when planning for retirement and such, is talking about longevity and mm -hmm. expectancy. And I, I imagine that people really don't want to think about that so much. Oh, no, that's the their mortality is always a sticking point. And some people, especially if they have a, I'd say, a shorter longevity in their family history, it's definitely something we want to talk about because they may be retiring and the last three generations have gone out seven, 75. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I got 10 years. So why do I do the best with that? And that's scary for a lot of people. And it's also, I think the other part too is they don't want to talk about estate planning because that talks about what happens if you die or what happens if you're disabled in a certain way that you can't function the same way you used to. And those things are scary concepts. They're very in the future and nebulous. And that's difficult for people to get their, their their minds wrapped around. Even when we personally went, my wife and I went through our own financial planning and um, estate planning, you know, asking questions like, well, "What happens? Are if you're not, are you additive to family functions?" So I'm like, "Well, what does that mean? Well, is that like if I go and I'm not really here anymore? I'm not here mentally, but I'm here physically. Do you put me in the corner of the room and I just kind of sit there?" I don't really want that. And so you have to kind of think through that kind of stuff that is so far away. It may never happen, but it could happen. And that's a lot of the stuff we deal with every day is these things that people are scared of or they're excited for and they want to start a business or they want to start a family or they um, had some opportunity in their life that they sold this business and it's a big windfall and they want to make sure they're being good stewards of that. Mm, I get it. So how do you go about acquiring new clients? Most of our clients come through the relationships we build with existing clients, with centers of influence, and that's attorneys and consultants we work with, a huge part of our network. And we were really there to be complimentary partners with them. So it's not just about, oh, hey, here's the wealth manager that can take care of this estate plane thing that we've got going on and they're going to invest the trust or whatever, or here's the CPA who's going to take care of the business returns. They really want to have a partner to make sure that oh, we're going through a succession issue and we'll make sure we're accounting for it correctly and that we're looking at from the financial end because that's going to impact people a ton and making sure we're, we're all on the same page. I do a, I personally, I do a lot of work with dentists as they buy practices. They're usually in their early to mid thirties and they're acquiring a practice from a retiring dentist. And they're really good dental practitioners. They know how to make sure your teeth are, you know, spot on. They're not business people, usually. 
And so they come in, they're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking for. I'm not sure the stuff I should be concerned about, or if they told me this, should I just take it at face value or do I dig in some more? And so we work really closely with attorneys in particular to make sure we're positioning this to be successful from the start, even before it actually happens. Or in some cases, just saying, this is not the best deal for you. You should walk away because that's what's actually best for you. So not go forward with it. So do you particularly like people who know what they want or who want more guidance? I mean, then that's I, just a personal question. I, I think actually people who are looking for more guidance. Sometimes when you kind of think you know what you want, we actually have to do more dispelling of that. I am a huge advocate for avoiding what I call like cocktail party planning. And that's when you go to some function when COVID was going on, you know, we were doing virtual happy hours. Right. And people are talking about, oh, I've got this great thing. My advisor or my CPA told me I could do this fill in the blank thing that makes no sense. And you don't know all the details behind it. You don't know the dollars really because no one's going to say, oh, yeah, I also lost $75,000 or um, I didn't do things fully legally, whatever the case may be. They won't tell you that stuff. <laughs> right. They just tell you that someone let them do it or told them they could do it. And we generally have to like really kind of deconstruct that and say it doesn't apply. And so there's a lot of time spent on that to basically get someone into the framework of, no, that's really a bad solution for you. We really got focused on something that's a little more attainable right now. And so I like personally, and I think our team likes working with folks who know they that they're out of their league a little bit. And they're like, this is not my strong suit. I really need someone who understands this and who can communicate well to me. Because it's not about outright, like here, I trust you implicitly, just put me in something or do something to me and I'll be fine. And you know, I'll just sign where you want. It's someone who wants to partner and learn enough to like understand what's going on. And I think we advise any client that they need to fully understand what situation they're in because if they don't, we didn't plan right for them. We haven't communicated well because no one should be able to be like, I don't know what it is. They put me in something. Or the tax strategy, this is why I have seven entities. Well, why? Well, I don't know. They just did. Should never. That should never be the answer for someone who works with Cook Wealth. Okay. Well, in certain circumstances, how do you go about building trust with your clients to trust you with their wealth. I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes it's not like a you know car a used car salesman, but sometimes there's been a bad name associated with. Oh that. yeah, a lot of people have been kind of exploited or not properly hand uh, taken care of by other advisors or by accountants or or those kind of things. And what we tend to do is spend a lot of time in a very slow, deliberate process of getting to know them, understanding their key important goals, the big things that are the the rocks that cannot move. And the things that motivate them day in, day out. If someone is, for example, a very faithful Christian who's giving a lot, we want to lean into that, understand that, because that changes their view of money, that changes their view of legacy and current philosophy and even taxes, because all that stuff plays into it. If someone is very concerned about leaving a legacy for their children, we need to understand that. So we understand the dynamic of their family and we want to talk through that and get to know the kids and where they are in their lifespan. So there's a lot of that spending time with each other. And that could be virtual, it could be in person, but there's that slow, deliberate lean into the relationship. And that's where trust is built. We don't get it from sol proposing solutions. We don't get it for like sticking them into products. That's all transactional. We really expect this to be a long-term relationship. 
And that's how we, when someone comes on as a prospective client, we, or we have our initial conversations, it's really leaning to, we're not going to know you 100% in the first month. Like, this is not possible. We're going to spend time with it, but we want you to know our team and we want you to know your family and kind of what gets you up every day. And that way we can be a sounding board for that. But also we understand our advice needs to tailor to you as a human, not just you as a client code or something like that. Yeah. Okay. So do you have a particular business investment philosophy? We generally, from a from an investment perspective, we are looking at good quality investments that involves lots of diversification and not shooting for massive home runs constantly. That those don't usually work so good. A little again, more on the conservative side. A little more on the conservative side in terms of making sure that we can deliver a diversified portfolio and you know, don't try and outplay areas like our large cap. We don't try and beat certain indices. We may use more passive managers in those cases. We'll use more active management areas where we believe that that will create difference. And there, we also do a lot of tax efficiency. That's a big thing because of our tax spin is that we're going to look at like, where's the right place to put certain things based on how they pay out and how generally churn income, or if they're going to be a lot of gains, we try and position those in the right kind of account so that someone doesn't get a bunch of nasty tax surprises. Uh, in my prior life, when I owned a, uh, as an owner of a CPA firm back in New Mexico, you know, there were times I would get the 1099 and I was doing their tax return. And all of a sudden, I'd be like, oh boy, that's a whole bunch of gains. And no one had any clue about it until we got this form in the mail. And I was be the bad guy, usually, I have to say, by the way, I hope you're. Brokers got some uh, cash on the side because you owe $28,000 and they would Ooh, be surprised. And That's a nice know. thing of a little bit of news to have to deliver. Yeah. And, and of course, I'm like, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't sell anything. I, <laughs> I'm, just the, I'm just the messenger. Don't shoot me. And so it's those are the kind of things that we want to avoid. So because we have this integrated approach, like, yeah, we've already talked about the tax implications. We've got the cash set aside when we do have to trigger those kind of things. Or we're going to be smart with positioning, smart with selling, smart with buying. Because, yeah, we know there's going to be some tax hits to it, but we're also the ones doing the return. We, we want to be prepared for that. Right. You had mentioned earlier about how much in taxes we will likely pay in our lifetime. Is that something like a number that we don't ever want to hear? No <laughs> one probably ever want to wants know. to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> That's not something when you like, especially the higher income you go. I mean, there's some annually you're putting a lot in, but when you start aggregating it, uh, it's a lot of it's, it's they people go to their tax return and go, oh, well, that's how much of taxes I paid. I'm like, well, not quite. Let's start looking at things like your Social Security and Medicare. That's like the hidden one that on people who get paid as an employer employee, that number just kind of shows up in W-2, never appears on a tax return, but you're paying it still. There's local taxes and there's pay uh, real estate taxes, all these taxes you pay. And so it's one of those things I think people fully understood how much it is. They would take that into more consideration and probably lean a little more into being efficient with it because it is a lot of cash. It just kind of happens. Right. And it's kind of our day-to-day -day life, you know, right? You know, we've got tax season coming up here and people think about them, but most people only think about it during the first quarter of the year. And then right. it's kind of like, psh, you know, out don't the door. Want to think about it. Who does? Yeah, that's <laughs> terrible. Um, it is, uh, it's not a pretty number. I don't know anyone. I don't have a single client who's ever tracked it. I don't track it personally because yeah. I think I would probably throw up if I saw 
who man, since I, you know, since I started working, how much money have I put into the system? It's almost and, one of those situations where when you take out a mortgage and how much the cost of the house is. Oh, yeah. To how much you actually pay by the time the 30 year loan is up, which is what, like triple the cost. Oh, it's a ton. And and because no one when they get all their paperwork, when they buy a house, so no one flips to the bottom of the amortization table and looks at the total like paid in interest they just go oh the monthly payments which is how car salesmen usually say well your payments only blah right they, they don't want to talk about the total cost they just want to get to what your monthly payment is and if you're cool with that the big sure. number don't matter and and so i think a lot of people with the house so it's okay it's okay i don't have to think about that no so if that's what my payment is it's right. my normal payment yeah and this is how we we live in ignorance and ignorance is bliss <laughs> mm -hmm. well it is a wonderful thing but i will tell you that the thing about ignorance and and kind of as we talk about our podcast about owning your wealth right is that that ownership is about like this is what you've been worked for been given and you gotta be you gotta have a you gotta care gotta take care and you of don't it. have to you don't have to be the like guru who now becomes a self-educated finance genius but you can't just put it on autopilot. And I've seen people who have done that. And especially lately with cash, for example, that, that, you know, interest rates have gone up a lot and savings accounts are actually producing something. But some people are just sitting on a bunch of cash in the personal accounts and a bank account, very big bank. And it's in a checking account and it's doing absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And they don't move it. They mm -hmm. don't even think about it. It's just, well, that's my safety blanket. I'm like, well, it can be safe over here, but it makes 5%. You yeah. leave it over there, it gets zero. Right. So there's like even little stuff like that. And it's one of those, if you're faithful with a little, you can be faithful with a lot. You got to actually be faithful and you got to pay attention to these things. And that's where we come in is we help people work through that. Because again, is not everyone's strong suit. No. And so that's where they have to lean in to people who are stronger in that. Okay. So let's get out of the office a little bit. Let me, yeah, there we go. let me ask you about when you're not working, what is it that you do for fun? Oh, man. Well, I've got three kids, two dogs and a wife. So we have a pretty busy family world. Household. Um, very busy household. So we do a lot of stuff with the kids, very engaged in my community and in, in my kids' school, uh, which happens to be down the street, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, and we do a lot of like traveling and hiking. And so we actually, uh, like this coming summer, we're going to be doing a road trip. We're going to get an RV and drive up to the mountain states and we're going to explore God's country as it were, and come back through our goal. By the time my oldest son, who's nine presently, who will be before he leaves the house, our goal is to hit up all 50 States. Wow. As a family, which will be a lot, but fortunately you can knock out, you know, especially go to the Northeast, you get knock out eight of them in 30 minutes, you know, just by driving. <laughs> well, does that really count? <laughs> we have to make a stop. I think we have to, okay. our, our goal is you have to stop and do something meaningful in those States. You can't oh, just be like, a bathroom hey, break. I, I went through and stopped at the you know Old Virginia plaza. border rest station kind of thing. So that's that's something we do a lot. Um how many I, states do you have? Oh man, where are we at now? Well, the 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 mountain trip we've got planned will knock out like 13 of them. Wow. I would think that as it and we were counting it from the time my daughter was born. So we have to start from 2019. And I think we're around like 10 already based okay. on that. So we're kind of working our way up there. So I think we're now going to see the number uh, regular clip. So yeah. that's the kind of stuff we do as a family. Uh, I uh, used to paint more frequently. I, I was a, I did acrylic painting. That was kind of fun. That was my 
anti-accountant thing. So okay. it was my creative outlet. Uh, and so I, when I get the time, I do that with my kids too now. And it's a lot of fun. And uh, Are you I, good? I would say I'm not bad. Okay. I'm not sure I'm going to go open a gallery anytime soon, but I do <laughs> enjoy it. I do prefer ones I don't have to like over confuse about details of human beings, you know, proportions and such. I like my abstracts a little bit better and okay. landscapey kind of things so I can do that. But I mean, like kids use it as art in their room. So you can put that they hang up stuff and they swap it out and they put in nice. whatever kind of fun. So that's that's kind oh. of the fun part is the kids are yeah. part of it. You know, painting and, and art has just always been so out of my own realm. It just fasces, uh, fasces, fascinates me, the people who do it. You know, mm-hmm. I guess you started as a child or whatever, you know, you're good at drawing maybe, and that led to painting and so on and so forth. And I'm just like, how do you even decide where to start on a canvas? <laughs> so the funny thing is I didn't, I was, a t- I did not like art as a kid. I actually discovered it when my wife took me one of those paint and wine Classes. you're kidding yeah it was it was like i've been in a million of those <laughs> eight nine years ago and, was, and she went to those and i'm like man this was nice and so like i'm the guy who goes to things i'm no, naturally an extrovert but i like my times where i kind of just do my thing i go see movies by myself like three times a year but i would go to these classes by myself i didn't care i'm like i don't want to talk to anybody i'm here to focus on my art <laughs> this is and this is me time and i don't really want to like chat with you i just want to really focus on what my Get technique away. is and and learn this and so that's what i used to do is just do that all the time as my like oh, i'm going to a paint class and my wife's like a paint class like what again like how many of these are you gonna go to but she's supportive so that's okay she's like so Get you out. started go doing them at home so i started doing them at home i got all the supplies got my kit and i've got some bigger ones and smaller ones and so it's it's a lot of fun that's awesome i love that Okay, so now if you had all of the money in the world, what would you do? Oh, man, that's a big question. Uh, you know, uh, philanthropy is a big piece of what how we live our life. So that would be a definitely a component of that um, is finding ways to be creative and generosity, whether that's scholarships or you know, direct funding of missions and things like that. Um, some special causes that you... We we are big advocates for our, our kids' school, which is a Christian school here in Durham, and that's a huge part of what we do. But we're also, we're big on uh, various Christian ministries, but also I serve on the Ronald McDonald House of Chapel Hill's board, and that is such a sanctuary for families who have very hard times because of kids in the hospital. Uh, my oldest son had to be in the NICU for a week when he was born and we didn't have nearly the experience because he was in a much better condition when that happened. But, you know, there were families who had major problems and were there for months. You know, they had preemie twins and they'd be there for 20 weeks or whatever. And actually our board meeting last night, we had some family who'd been there since July. So they've been there for seven months, eight months. And that's important to us is be able to provide um, some hospitality for mm-hmm. folks. Uh, for TNI, I, hospitality is a big piece of taking care of people in need is a big part of where our heart is. It's a little ironic that you bring up the Ronald McDonald House. My neighbors, their grandchild was born in August and had, you know, some issues, some major issues. Mm-hmm. Um, just came home in February. So uh, 
their son and his wife lived in the Ronald McDonald yeah. house the entire time he was in the hospital. So it's a, it's an amazing, amazing organization. Yeah, so, and what's so cool about it is that it's you know, people who, who perhaps had to go to a specialty hospital or had to go into a major Metro cause they're in a more rural area. And it's like, there's not practically a way they could do it. They right. couldn't come back home, you know, two hour drive every time they're exhausted. They're exhausted from trying to maintain their life. If they have other kids that they have to take care of, if they have jobs they have to go to it. I don't know how people could um, do this if it wasn't from places like the Ronald McDonald yeah. house. Okay. So other than philanthropy, what would you choose? Travel would definitely be one. That's probably a little like, you know, Oh, everyone travel. I think that would be something we're just exploring this world we have and seeing what has been created. And these just places that I have never been to and spending time to see that kind of stuff, experience other cultures and like food. So, you know, it's kind of going and figuring out what people have, you know, <laughs> so you have to places. go to Italy, of course. Right? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I definitely would be in like, like Thai food is amazing. So the Asian continent would probably be good for that i, I hear I've it's always, different there though that they it probably is they yeah. americanize it for us well you know it's probably like this isn't why i wanted i thought <laughs> i was like this thing and i've always wanted to go to germany like that's a place like um i'm a big fan of craft beer and like call and but like that you know, german food and get some schnitzel and a stein or something oktoberfest you know that seems like be a lot of fun yeah so that's on our bucket list my wife and i is like exploring more especially even with the kids um because getting five people across anywhere is a difficult process a but lot. we want to experience as much as we can with the kids even if it's not all five of us even if it's just individual kids at times i usually do a kindergarten trip with my kids so every time they get into kindergarten we'll go on a trip with two of us so my oldest son in seattle my younger son went to charlotte uh, and then you know we'll see where my daughter wants to go and it's just like a daddy kid trip which is a lot of fun oh, so i think that would be kind of the thing is just exploring you know i'm trying to think of other stuff it's it's one of those i i still actually think i would work i've always think about that like i work i love what i do it's so important to me to be able to like wake up and like help people and this job great job great great career but ultimately like it's the impact in people's lives that drives not just me but our team and so we're here to do that now, I can't say everyone at Cook Wealth would stay on as an employee if they won a billion dollars like the person who won the lottery recently, right? Uh, which is a crazy amount of money to imagine, like slowly just be like, here you go. Here's your billion dollars. Go pay a tax, some taxes on it. <laughs> but uh, I definitely think that I would be in some way still kind of using the, the skills I have to help improve the lives of other people. Well, and then my next question was going to be, how do you define success, which it sounds like that's what it is. It's loving what you do. You know, it's mm -hmm. not really even work or a job, right? You know, I wake up every day and, you know, I go, we go, I go to the office or I work from home some days, but it's, I'm there to like find out what kind of new thing I can help someone with or what I can teach a, a coworker about something or what I can learn from them. This business is so dynamic and because you're kind of living in people's lives, right? So you think about what happens in your life and you're going to multiply it by 300, 400 families and businesses and things like that. And you're kind of getting this massive taste of the flavor of life with all those people's things, their businesses and what they do. And you know, I'm always impressed, like, what business did you come up with now? And it just like, 
I didn't think about that as a way to make money. And man, you're making really good money doing that. Mm. And that's pretty cool. But how you use that to do good with others, you know, how you take that to the next step. And I just love that. I love, I can, I don't really, not say we have stressful days that, but it's not really stressful because it's what we love doing. So we yeah. just kind of keep coming back to it and go, okay, cool. Well, how do we help today? That's awesome. So now that, you know, you have the ear of all these people listening to the podcast, who is it that you want to listen to this and who do you want to help? I would love to see, hear people who um, have an interest to kind of own their financial life a little differently and, you know, hence the name of our podcast. But I want to see people who want to learn a little different, not necessarily always think, that, okay, this is only my little part of the world. One of the things I've learned as a professional is that you can have your little bubble and it's great and it's stable and usually, and you can kind of do your thing, but experiencing what other things are happening in our world and hearing about different forms of business or what people have got going on, there's always something to learn. Or if you really think about other people too, is like, maybe, you know, a friend who is struggling with that and they need some help, whether you, you may not need anything, but you know, someone who's like, man, they are dealing with the same thing It's a fellow business owner and they're struggling with this. Maybe these guys can help them. And that's the kind of thing I want to hear is people who want to hear, learn, and maybe find a little way where we can help someone else in their life, in their circle. Awesome. So how can people get in touch with you, Jason? Well, you can go to our website, which is cookwealth.com. That's a great one. You can see all of the information from our team, the service we provide, some contact forms there. You can also call our office, 919-784-9100. All right. Well, thank you, Jason. It was thank very you, Wendy. fun getting to know you today. And thank you for joining us. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Own Your Wealth podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at cookwealth.com or give us a call at 919-784-9100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Cook Wealth Management Group, LLC is a registered investment advisor with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Cook Wealth Management Group, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.